Hello, this is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And this is Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. You're listening to the official podcast for the 26th Annual FIRST Conference, the 22nd through the 27th of June 2014 in Boston, Massachusetts. And now we join our interview in progress. This time on the show, we're lucky enough to be talking to Seth Hanford from Cisco Systems. Welcome to the show, Seth. Hi, thanks, Chris. Now, at the upcoming first conference in Boston, you're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, Common Vulnerability Scoring System version 3. Um, Can you explain a little bit about CVSS uh, for people who who aren't aware of what the, the standard is? Yeah, absolutely. So CVSS has basically two primary purposes. The one is to provide a numeric score, which many people are familiar with, um, to talk about the severity of a vulnerability. But the other factor that we try to cover in CVSS, and one of the main reasons we're we're moving from version 2 to version 3, is to improve the classification side of CVSS, basically what what characteristics of a vulnerability we track and what we care about in, in assigning that severity rating. So maybe you can explain a little bit about the reasons why there's going to be a version 3. I think version version 2 was released at some point in 2007, um, if I remember correctly. So it's, it's been a few years. What are some of the reasons why you're, you're coming up with a new version 3? Yeah, so that timeline is one of the primary reasons. So work began on CVSS version 2 uh, in 2005. Um, and so as these things work, you know, it takes quite a bit of time. And, and, and likewise, we started work on CVSS version 3 in 2012. But anyway, you look at it, we're at between seven and nine years that CVSS version two has been either a concept or, or in production. And, you know, a lot has changed. Vulnerabilities have changed. Technology has changed. What we've done in, in trying to approach this problem is to ask the community. Um, we've gotten a number of um, opportunities for feedback over the last couple of years for what they'd like to see happen differently. Um, and so primarily, uh, we're, we're looking at three main areas real life, right? This, um, you know, what has changed in that time, better usability and, and better reference uh, material and better training. There has been some complaints about CVSS version 2 saying that it was, it was too theoretical and didn't really match up with real life usage scenarios. Is that something you're going to be dealing with in, in version 3? Yeah, absolutely. So from a technology standpoint, obviously we're doing uh, a lot more in, in virtualization and sandboxing. And again, to address your point of V2 being a little bit more theoretical, it was just constrained in ways that, that don't quite make sense. Um, we've known essentially from the 2007 release of V2 that scoping things to the host operating system just wasn't appropriate. Uh, many people who are familiar with CVSS V2 uh, and have looked at Oracle's vulnerabilities, for example, will be familiar with the Oracle partial plus notation. Essentially, if I have a system and its sole purpose is to run a database, CVSS says an impact that completely compromises the database is only a partial impact because it's scored to the host OS. But that reasoning behind um, what Oracle provided uh, was that essentially if that's the only reason for the host, then you know anything that's scored as a partial plus, the end user may want to score as complete. So that scope problem was probably two-thirds of the commentary that we received, about 100 official um, subjects that, that people asked us to address. Yeah, so one of the other areas is, is virtualization, right? It, Things, things like sandboxing um, for, say, a browser. If I um, 
you know, I'm, I'm able to do things inside that sandbox. You know, we're, we're layers away from, you know, impact of the host operating system, but those escapes are real and they're things that need to be measured. So yeah, to the point of theoretical, um, you know, when we're dealing with hypervisors and, and virtualized systems and, and escalations either uh, vertically from a guest to a, to a host, uh, VM host, um, or, or across peers, you know, we need to address that scope issue. Uh, and, and quite a few other things, just the way that, that V2 talked about vulnerabilities being, uh, you know, authentication, essentially a useless metric as defined. We've done some studies and we've seen about 90% of vulnerabilities are, are listed as no authentication. Um, so we're going to change that. We're going to talk about privileges instead, things like that. Now, one of the other complaints that I've seen is probably to, to your point one that you were talking about uh, before was the inconsistencies between vendors. Obviously, Oracle was, was one of the primary examples I was going to give because they do like to say everything is a very low risk if they can possibly get away with it. But um, is, is something being built into the new version, version 3, that, that will smooth it out to allow different vendors to, to always come up with the same thing, make it a repeatable process instead of the rolling of dice that sometimes V2 was? Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll say there's quite a bit, and I've actually um, worked with some others here at Cisco to, to do a study. I'll, I'll be uh, including some of the results from that study in my first, uh, my first conference talk. Um, when you say, you know, Oracle, you know, scoring things lower, um, I'll say from my experience, vendors tend to want to be um, scoring things higher. I know that there's this fear sort of from the third party uh, view. You look at a vendor and you think, oh, they're, they're trying to make it less severe than it is. But um, from my experience working with uh, Cisco PCERT, you know, we always wanted to be able to say the actual severity of the vulnerability because it was more often for us that customers would come and say, why did you give this a, a two, a three, a five? You know, it's much, it's much worse than that. Um, so I think that in the grand scheme of things, what we want to provide with CVSS is a framework that allows you to make objective decisions and really minimize wherever we can, wherever it makes sense, subjective decisions. And we also want to make those objective decisions against reality. So again, trying to address the scope problem. We want to provide the analyst who's doing the scoring uh, a framework that's really easy to use and to make the right decision and to make the decision that they can they can back up with fact. Now, that said, there are some areas where we're moving away from objective decisions because they just don't make sense. Um, one example of that, in CVSS v2, impacts are measured to confidentiality, integrity, and availability in a, in a three-tiered you know, three scale. There's either no impact, complete impact, or partial impact, um, where none and complete are binary decisions. I either am not impacting that resource or I'm completely impacting that resource. The problem is partial becomes the middle 99, right? It doesn't make any sense um, to, to, in a simple decision, it, you can't really do it in a meaningful way um, as an objective decision. So we've had to move that in a subjective direction, but I think what we're doing with a none, low, and high in V3 is much more effective. So for example, um, you know, I was on Twitter a few weeks back, um, you, you know, essentially talking about CVSS V3 with some who were looking at Heartbleed, Right, so CVE 2014-0160, uh, and many people are familiar with that as basically a, a, a problem in OpenSSL that allowed for private keys or private key material to be leaked. Right In CVSS, this is about as bad as it gets from an exploitability standpoint. It's a network attack, there's no authentication, um, and it's low complexity. But from an impact standpoint, CVSS v2 calls that basically a co partial confidentiality impact. 
um, and no impact to integrity or availability. So it's a five, right? And if you ask anyone an incident response, Heartbleed wasn't a five. Now, I don't agree with some who say that Heartbleed, Heartbleed was an 11. Um, it's very serious, right? But in V3, what we have what we have focused on is to say, okay, if there's a partial impact but that has serious consequences, score is a high. And so we're going to try to keep the math pretty similar, but you should see that above a seven. The maths behind version two was quite complex for people to follow. Is that is that now easier for people to follow in V3, or is it becoming more and more complex in the background? Yeah, so I will just preface this by saying that while we're um, still working on the specification, we haven't addressed uh, the formula yet. Uh, that's something that, that we do need to, to work on. Our hope is to to keep things essentially the same, just from a, we'll still use a formula approach, I believe. Um, and the reason for that being that um, it, it makes it easier to do certain um, certain things from a from a SIG perspective. And, and at the end of the day, most people don't need to sit down and, and follow the math, right? We can give them the formula, you can build a calculator, and we will be providing a reference calculator for V3 um, that people could use, um, which is something that we didn't do in V2 and, and got a lot of requests for. At the end of the day, what, what, we're, what we're trying to do is map those characteristics, the attack factor, the attack complexity, privileges required, user interaction, scope, and, and the CIA, you know, to to round out the base score. What we want to do with those metrics is assign them essentially to a severity classification. We want to say it's a, a low, a medium, a high, or a critical. And then we put, we're going to put the numeric scores to those, right? Because we think that security analysts can say, yes, this combination of uh, characteristics is high. And then we're going to basically reverse engineer the math out of that and say, you know, when you combine the characteristics in whatever fashion they should end up in the correct bucket, right? So it does make the math complicated, but it, at the end of the day, it gets us to, to where we need to be. Um, and I think abstracting that away is just the right, the right answer um, so that people don't really have to get in and mess with it. So I guess you'll be um, starting with, for example, a list of, of vulnerabilities over the last couple of years, working out what you believe the real severity sh- should be, and then reverse engineering from that point. Absolutely, yeah, and, and, we, and we're in that process right now. So uh, I, I alluded to some work that uh, another researcher, Cisco, and I have done um, around um, basically statistics of how V2 has been used from 2007 to 2013, and it gave us essentially a list of 10,000 vulnerabilities to work with, and, and from that we did, for example, pulling out the most common um, vulnerability types, the most common combinations of, of uh, V2 uh, vector strings, basically the characteristics, and work from there to you know, try to come up with a set of example vulnerabilities. And we've worked with others in the community, like the uh, Open Security Foundation and, and some others, other vulnerability databases, to do similar things, pull out example lists. And, and we're going through that as a SIG right now to, to score essentially those same vulnerabilities, those most common vulnerabilities and common vulnerability types score them under V3, and then assign them to those, uh, to those classification bands. What's the timeline for release? I know there was some discussion about whether or not you're going to be releasing some kind of draft at the first conference for people to, to review. Is it that far along, or are we still kind of in a waiting phase at the moment? 
Yeah, so metrics are very far along. Um, we we should um, we actually hoped to close out metrics last Friday. Um, we'll probably be closing them out within the month of May. We're in the documentation phase at this point. We want to get all those metrics in. We want to write up a good documentation on you know basically how you apply CVS SV3, what the purpose is, good examples, things like that. We do still have a lot a lot of work to do in the actual formula development. Uh, so my plan is to be able to get up and talk about essentially how you would apply uh, CVS V3 characteristics at first, talk maybe a bit about the research and why we've done it, and then to um, release that draft for public comment either at the conference or because we wouldn't have the formula complete by that point, we, we may either release it as a second thing for comment later or, you know, release everything combined, um, you know, following the conference. What, what do you feel the, the barrier to entry is for, for people like um, the vulnerability databases and vendors to, to start looking at V3 and, and seeing whether or not it's something that they want to implement as a replacement to V2? Do you think that's going to take them a while to actually take on board? Is there going to be a phase where companies and um, vulnerability databases are using both V2 and V3 as a, a changeover between the, the different standards? Yeah, expect that. And that's what we saw, um, you know, with V2 as well, right? Anybody who had implemented V1, um, you know, took some time. Obviously, there's tooling, right? If they are pushing out, um, you know, vectors, if they're doing scoring calculators inside tools, you know, front end or back end, you know, they'll have to ramp up on that. Um, I'm sure we'll go through a phase of making sure that everybody's rounding correctly and things like that. Um, but the big thing will be that training. And that's one of the reasons we want to get the documentation out there um, as best we can, because at the end of the day, it's the metric decisions that people have to make that they need trained on, um, the math behind it. They want to know that they're ending up in the right bucket, right? They want to know that a vulnerability that they deal with and they believe is low ends up in that low band. And, and, and likewise, the things that are critical end up in that critical band. You know, there will be some, some ramp up time. And of course, the changes that we're making are significant enough that I don't believe there will be any um, realistic path to backward compatibility or rather forward compatibility. You won't be able to take a V2 score and, and directly map it to a V3. Um, so there will be that uh, that legacy question again as well. But um, at the end of the day, you know, as we looked at it, so we think that the best path forward really is to drop the baggage from CVSS version two. Um, it, it will certainly make the uh, ten years of vulnerabilities that we've scored under V two, um, you know, not not necessarily comparable. Um, but we think that that's the right thing to do. Really, at this point, uh, better measurement seems to be the best thing for the community. And with, with version 3, you're going to be keeping the 0, 0.0 to 10.0 range. So it's going to be very similar to CVSS version 2? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the complaints that we've heard a lot of is that, you know, the curve isn't really smooth or it's not really evenly distributed. A lot of times, um, you know, people look at that and they think that there's there should be this, you know, bell-shaped curve of vulnerabilities. But that doesn't really reflect what gets reported, right? Um, a lot of times people won't report um, low-severity vulnerabilities because they're not as flashy. Um, and a lot of times the things that we end up talking about are, are, are more severe. And, and of course, there's just different views into things. Um, but at the end of the day, that familiarity is one thing that we can carry forward. Um, one of the things, and I've talked about bands a few times, uh, the National Vulnerability Database, the NIST, NVD, um, has used a low, medium, high scale. And we, we looked at that and we think that it, it makes some sense to, to do something similar. So we're going we're gonna to keep the 0, 0.0 to 10.0. And we're going to say anything that's uh, under a 3.0 is low, 3.0 to 6.9 is medium, um, 7.0 to 8.9 is high, and a 9.0 and above is, is a critical uh, vulnerability. So people should see a reflection in, in V3 scores that map to their expectations. 
some things will change because we're talking about scope and we're doing things differently. Um, so, for example, cross-site scripting will look different, probably be in a different band. But at the end of the day, it, it should give us uh, the same kind of um, same kind of familiarity by keeping that scale and, and kind of looking at those bands, uh, even if the vulnerabilities don't directly map one version to the next. One of the things that definitely stood out, you know, in reviewing six or seven years of vulnerabilities is there are very common vector strings. There are 10 vector strings that make up a majority of the V2 scores um, from 2007 to 2013. So like a PDF vulnerability that's going to give you um, the user's uh, code execution as the user who opens uh, the PDF or Word doc or flash file or jar, you know, Java jar or whatever. Uh, you know, that scores in at a 9.3. And you're right, there, there's that familiarity for someone who's done a lot of CVSS scoring. They'll see that and they'll think, oh, I, 9.3, this must be a you know, remote code execution. And, and that, I think, will be a little bit of an adjustment period. I mean, already, you know, I'm finding that I'm having to do that as well with even just um, talking about the, the vector names or um, talking about, you know, where we've changed, for example, uh, non-partial complete to non-low high. You know, it's really hard for me to kind of get out of that. But you know, again, we're working out of um, nine years of, of standards debt, right? And, and we're going to have to get ourselves into that new mindset. And it'll take a little bit of time, but at the end of the day, there will be some new familiarity, I think. And, you know, the, the characteristics start to become, you know, things that um, are, are second nature for those of us who use it a lot. Great. Well, uh, I look forward to seeing the presentation. It's uh, certainly interesting for for me personally. It's something that I've been trying to use in penetration testing reports for a while, but haven't really been able to use the scoring system due to some of the limitations. So uh, hopefully V3 will, will solve some of those issues. And uh, thanks very much for taking the time to come on the show. Hey, absolutely. And I'll just uh, I'll just close by saying, you know, one of the things that we, we got asked for by uh, penetration testers was the ability to talk about vulnerabilities in a chain, right? Everything's in isolation in V2. So I'll just say that uh, we have tried to do something there and I'll, uh, I'll let you stop by at the first conference and hear about vulnerability chaining and, and what it might mean for you. Sounds very exciting. Well, thanks very much again for taking the time and uh, hope to see you in Boston. Thanks. I'll see you then. This is Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. And this is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. You've been listening to the official first podcast for the 26th Annual First Conference, June 22nd to the June 27th in Boston, Massachusetts. You can find out more at www.first.org. Thank you and goodbye, folks. Shut down sequence.